Welcome to the Cutting Onions Podcast with Bobby Shaw. This is episode 22. In this episode, I sit down with Priscilla Mendoza, a Chick-fil-A operator in the Austin, Texas market. Priscilla's journey with Chick-fil-A started at 16 years old, and she recently became a multi-unit operator. Priscilla's done an amazing job of creating a high-performing team and a strong people culture that has contributed to strong results that have allowed her to expand her influence by taking on that second location. In this conversation, I think you'll hear some amazing insight that Priscilla has that will help you on your leadership journey. She has an amazing story, personally and professionally, and I know that you'll enjoy this conversation. So here it is, my talk with Priscilla Mendoza, and we'll see you on the other side. Good morning, Priscilla. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me this morning, especially on your 11th anniversary of your Chick-fil-A restaurant, your first Chick-fil-A restaurant. That is so exciting. Uh, so what I'm trying to do in these podcasts is I want to interview leaders who, who have done an amazing job creating culture that has been able to develop leaders. And you've done that so much throughout your career that I've been really looking forward to this conversation. So what I'd like to do first, though, is have you kind of start by telling your story, kind of how you got started and really kind of how you got here. Sure. Um, so my name's Priscilla Mendoza, um, and I was, um, I'm originally from Corpus Christi, and I started, I actually started Chick-fil-A when I was 16 years old. Um, started as a part-time job, um, and my sister, my older sister also worked there, and so I kind of followed in her footsteps. I worked for an operator named Rex Halsey, um, and he was um, probably one of the pioneers of Chick-fil-A franchisees. Um, And so I had the pleasure of working under him, worked with him through uh, high school and college, and had the opportunity to just learn from him. Um, I I, um, grew into a team leader and then a supervisor, finished college, and I left. Um, And I went into the legal field for about five years. Um, and then my husband and I were about to get married, and uh, we had, um, where his sister had uh, gotten cancer, and then she had a 12-year-old. She asked my husband to, to if he would take him. Um, his dad had died when he was young also, and so he was losing both his parents. Um, so I got married, um, and I was the proud mother of a 13-year-old. Instant family. Yeah, 13-year-old. Um, and I quickly realized, I loved my job in the legal field, um, but quickly realized that I couldn't do both. And I had, at that point, I really didn't have any kind of natural mother instinct, you know. Um, and I wanted to do what was best for Robert. And so I came up with a plan that I would go back to Chick-fil-A, um, called my operator. I created the plan before I even told my husband. And then... Um, came home one day, told him I was going to resign from the legal field and that I was going to go back to Chick-fil-A. And he thought I had lost my mind. Hindsight now, probably the best decision that I've ever made in my life. Um, so I went back to Chick-fil-A thinking I would just be a, a super, you know, a, a team member, right. you know, just a cashier or something, nine to five, that I could be at home with Robert. He was just starting his high school years. Um, and my first day, uh, Rex introduced me to the team as the new general manager. Uh, and then I thought he had lost his mind. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, and so then I, um, I was, you know, I, what, I, what I gained from Rex in that was that he trusted me. And, you know, one day he told me, 
it's not rocket science, he says. It's treating people the way you're supposed to be treated. He was like, take care of our people. Right. He was like, and they'll take care of you. And so I, he very quickly started ingraining this thought of creating a fan behind the counter. And because of that, I just always wanted to give him 110%. Um, and so he mentored me, talked to me, um, taught me a lot about the business. And after about five years, um, I approached him and talked to him about becoming a Chick-fil-A operator. That's amazing. What were the early hurdles, the obstacles that you had to overcome when you went back to Chick-fil-A? You left for a while, worked in the legal field, then you came back. So what were some of those obstacles that you had to overcome when you came back into the system? Um, I think, you know, I think what I learned even as a high schooler and a college student was that in, in, the industry, in any industry, you work with people. And so if you can if you can hone those skills and understand that part of it, it doesn't matter what industry you work in. That you know, if, if you can if you understand that concept that you're gonna work with people yeah. and how do you treat them and what kind of relationships do you create. So going from the legal field, um, which was very different, and then going back into the food industry, that never that didn't change. Right. Um, I was still working with people. I was working with guests versus clients. You know. Yep. What did change was now I had a bigger team to work with. You know, working in the legal field, it was a small office. You know, there was maybe five or six on the team, um, including the attorneys, and so. Going back into the food industry, especially Chick-fil-A, you know, there was over 70 employees. And so, um, realizing that, but what was so great was the way that Rex uh, mentored me and and exampled that for me. Um, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to make that team a raving fan. Um, I love it. And create, you know, those relationships that when things got challenging, they were we were all going to work it together. Right. You know, I normally ask in this point in the conversation, what are you doing now? But you're still with Chick-fil-A. You're still doing it. But when you rejoined the team, you went to work for Rex. You said it was how many years? Five years? Five years. When you decided, look, I want to be a friend. You know, I want to be an operator. So... Was that the moment you realized you wanted to be a leader, or was there a different moment in there where you realized this could really be something? Like this could be something that I could actually do and really enjoy. Um, when I started, you know, for me, my when I started thinking about what our future looked like, we now had two additional children and stuff, and so um, thinking of the financial and the time. Sure. Right. I think time is a huge is a huge why of why people want to own their own business and um, I don't think I gave myself enough credit for what I was already doing in the in leading it I knew I loved it and as I started to develop my understand my strengths um, I understood that that was a strength of mine of being able to create those relationships in that team and so I think it was a conversation that I was having with my husband. Yeah. Because um, I almost, I kind of doubted myself. Like, I'm not a business owner, you know. It's not right. what I thought. Right. And and he kind of had that 
hard conversation with me and said, you know, tell me what you do and tell me, yep. and and started to point out that those are, you know, those are things that that help you lead. Um, and that was when I wanted. That's when I kind of. That was my aha moment. Nice. Um, I think we struggle with that as leaders because we hear that word entrepreneur, and it can be very polarizing because when you hear entrepreneur, you think about you know, tech world or, or, you know, I own my own business or, you know, I started Facebook or whatever, right? You know, you hear all that and you're like, you know, that's not who I am. But what I love is the term builder because we're all building something, right? We're all either building a family, you know, we're building a business, might be a nonprofit, might be a church, might be whatever, but we're all building something, right? And it's really understanding what your talents are around creating that. So... So you're in Corpus, you decide you want to be an operator. So how did the journey unfold from there for you? So it was it was very emotional and competitive and uh, kind of felt like my life was on hold while I was trying while we were waiting to see if we would be selected. You're competitive? And That's so <laughs> shocking. A little bit. A little, a little bit. Little. Just a little bit. Um, one of the things that was I I think one of the my one, one thing that definitely grew me and I'm grateful for was my no. So I applied for a Chick-fil-A, started going through the process. A location became available in San Antonio, Texas. And I went, you know, flew down, interviewed for this location, and through the interview process realized that they had already selected another operator for that location. And so as I'm sitting through the whole interview process, I'm thinking, like, why am I here? Like, what, you know, um, and what they, you know, at the end, what they said was, it's a no now, but not a no never. And, you know, we just have to wait to see, you know, for a different fit for you. Um, But you go through the process of, of, of being denied. And that's what you feel, right? Even though they were clearly telling me yes. Right. I was hearing no, right? And so that disappointment and, you know, frustration and hurt, right? I mean, those are all feelings of that you feel when you're you're invested so heavenly into something and, and it doesn't go your way. Um, it was definitely a life learning for me. Um, and I'm grateful for that because I think it made me stronger. It made me help. I realized everybody's going to go through their nose, right? And if I have an opportunity to impact somebody else that gets discouraged or, you know, is reaching for something and feels that they're not going to get it, um, these were things that I needed to embrace instead of being disappointed or bitter or whatever those feelings come come with that, right? Um, and so then I just, you know, I chalked it up and said, okay, well, I'm not giving up and I'm going to continue um, and so then I, you know, Lakeline Mall became available in Cedar Park, and I applied for that one um, and went through the interview process again and go through the whole emotional, you know, um, process of it, right, and end up getting selected. Um, and then that was, you know, then there's a whole other journey when, <laughs> when that occurs, right? right. So, um, so... Th- Going through the process was was emotional. It was stressful. I had two little ones at the time, an infant at zero and a three-year-old. Um, 
my husband was coaching. Like, there were a lot of factors that were going in. Um, but I had the support of my, of my previous operator. I had the support of my family. Um, and those were all great um, things to be able to hold on to and to know. Um, so I didn't, you know, what I realized is, and I think as a leader is, you don't get where you're going by yourself. There's so many people that are involved in that. Um, and it's important to make sure that you appreciate those people, right? The t- even the team, when I was going through the process, you know, they knew I was going to leave. Right. Um, here I was, their general manager, and I'm going to leave for this opportunity. And they were so excited for me. And that, and that is, um, that's just, you know, that just made me feel good. They were, you know, said they were going to be sad that I was leaving. And, but they were, you know, they were just over the moon for for the opportunity and when I got the first no they were the first ones to encourage me and to you know pick me back up you know that's a question I have for you because I think this is really an important lesson that that I don't want to miss and I don't want anyone listening to miss is that we all suffer disappointment we all suffer rejection you know whether it's a no for this opportunity or whatever it might be do you think how you responded to that? Do you think the fact that you were able to say, okay, I went through this experience. It did not go the way I wanted it to go. But I'm going to work hard. I'm going to go back to work. I'm going to make this happen. Do you think that having that no actually helped you when you got your yes? Do you think you were better prepared as an operator? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think... You know, even through the, the process of my career, there's been other locations. You know, going from a mall, the goal is try to get into a freestander, yep. right? Um, yep. Applied for different freestanders that were in the area. Um, and based, and at that point, wasn't really a candidate. You know, there were other competitive candidates sure. that were applying. Um, and, and those disappointments, those no's, um, continue to make me stronger. Um, but I think over time what I've learned, because at the moment you don't realize it, is when you are in the stump and you're frustrated and you're upset, right, and, and those reactions of how you react. That's right. Um, and I'm grateful that I'm, I was able to step back and look and say, you know, okay, so no, so now what, right? Right. What do I do now? Or, right. Um, and allowing to say that's not going again. That's not going to define me. Um, I'm going to I'm going to continue to make the best business that I have with what I have and be a good steward. Um, and you know, and just continue to to grow my team, to grow myself. Um, but they but they they've all shaped me, right? And so I think there it's important. And what I've been able to share with other operators, other friends, other people that are going through the process right. um, and or that are just just in general and different things that get no's and stuff. It's important to embrace the bitterness, the, those emotions that you're feeling when, yep. when you get them. If you, if you try to think that you're just always going to be optimistic about it or you're always going to see the, the glass, you know, half full. Right then you're probably lying to yourself and those feelings are going to creep up. Sure. So you might as well just embrace them. Right. But know that 
give yourself some time to do that yep. and then know what you're going to do next, right? Right. Or at least have some strong truth tellers around you that can right. help you, right. you know, get out of that. And, and I've been, my husband has been a great supporter for me. Um, and so I've been lucky to have those people in my life. Um, and I hope that I'm, good, I'm one of those people for somebody else. That's awesome. Well, I know you are, and I'm sure we'll get into that later in the conversation. So, how long from Lakeline Mall to your first location that we're about 300 away from, 300 feet away from, that's a freestander in Cedar Park? How long between the two? So, I was at Lakeline Mall from 2003 to 2008, and then we, I grand opened Lakeline, I mean, uh, Cedar Park I remember, in 2008. I remember that. So, it's five years. That's a long time for a mall location. That's a whole other business model, that right? Is. That's a whole other challenge. You could probably do a whole podcast just on a mall Chick-fil-A location. We won't do that. So um, 11 years. That's just hard to believe you've been in this location 11 years. So when you first started in Cedar Park, did it start off the way you thought it would? Or was it a slow build? Because, I mean, we all know if you're in Texas, you know Cedar Park. You know how busy it is now. But how did that start for you? I think... And what were the big challenges going from a mall location to a freestander? I think no matter how much people try to prepare you, you don't know what you don't know. And when you don't have an experience, things like that, like, right. uh, you try to be prepared and proactive. When I was at Lakeline Mall, um, it, was a sm- it was a smaller store, um, in sales, right? So I didn't have as many team members. And I remember uh, my business consultant um, challenged me and said, how are you going to stay connected when you have three times the amount of employees that you have now? Hmm. Um, And I just kind of thought, like, because I'm going to keep doing what I do, right? It's a great question. Um, And what I realized was I couldn't keep doing what I did before. I had to change that. So those were the biggest challenges. you know, setting up, you know, creating a leadership team to be able to come take over, you know, and help me lead in um, Cedar Park was 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 a was a huge thing for us, and and we were we were great when we were at Lakeline Mall, and what I learned was when we got to Cedar Park, that great expectation changed. Does that make sense? It does. Um, and so we had to readjust and adapt and change things. We had systems in place that all of a sudden didn't work because right. now instead of just telling 23 employees, we were telling 75 to 80 employees. You know, like there were so many different components to to the change um, Well, and, that and, those were probably the biggest challenges. And I think also that you're also, in that conversation you realize that you're a much different operator in 2008 than when you started in 2003, right? So that definition of what great looks like is constantly being elevated, right? From yourself, from Chick-fil-A, from everyone. And so you've got this high standard and coming into a new situation with a brand new team and a free standard and as, as, as much volume as you crank out of that location, like, you do have to regroup and you have to figure out, okay, what works and what doesn't, right? So there is a lot of evolution in that. Just as a leader, not even counting the operation, which there's so much more to do. So 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So you were you were there. You know, it's 11 years old today, but you recently got to take on a new challenge. I did a few months ago. You wanna you wanna talk about that? So we always so. I came from a I came from a background of my operator was multi-unit um, and kind of grew up in that type of organization and so always wanted to to, to duplicate that type of, of organization. And that's and not it, really common, right? It's, it's not, it, it wasn't back then. I okay. think that's changing a little bit now. Yeah. Um, just as Chick Fil A continues to grow. Sure. Um, but back then in the 90s, the no, that wasn't very common for you to have multiple locations. Um, and I, you know, I was able to grow in that, um, in that environment. And so Rex created a high-performing leadership team, right? And, and we worked together. And, and, and so I always had that vision in my head. Um, and as we continued, you know, as we moved over here and the growth was, half, was, was occurring in our area, um, I knew that eventually there'd be another location, and I started to probably six years ago. The journey started of starting to equip myself to, when the opportunity arises, how can I make myself and my team the best candidate um, to be competitive in this process? Right. Um, and so, and you know, what was interesting was there were times through the through the that time that if Chick-fil-A would have come in and said, we're putting the Chick-fil-A down the road, um, are you ready? It would have been no, because because we go through seasons, you know. Um, in our industry, this, you know, we have kind of two roads. There's, there's some that are making it a career, and that's a challenge of how do we make it competitive for people right. to stay with us, yep. you know, that just that talent. Um, and then there's some that this is just a stop, you know, this is something that they're doing. You've got high schoolers that are going through high school. They're going to be with us for anywhere from two to four years. Right. Or they're going to, maybe they'll stay with us while they're going through college, right? Or you have somebody that's in between that college. They've graduated. They're looking for that full-time, right. that, you know, career that they went to college for. Um, and then, you know, we have you know, stay-at-home moms or retired that they, you know, they want to fill in some time and here's a great opportunity for them to be able to do that. Um, and so as we grew leaders, that was definitely, you know, we'd be, we could be at our peak, you know, right. and then an opportunity would occur for them and we'd be regrowing all the time. Yep. So depending when the opportunity would arise, would I be at the top of my peak or yep. would we be back at the, right. at the growth part of it? Right. Um, and so we met those challenges, right? And with those challenges, results you know, those different results would occur, right? Because if you're growing leaders, you've got to allow them to also succeed and fail. And so some of those failures could be, you know, them learning different things in the business and and could affect different things in our store, right? Right. Labor and, you know, customer satisfaction scores and speed and, you know, all these different metrics that that we look at. Um, And so... And so that it was interesting. It was a challenge, definitely, to go through that process. Um, and as we got closer, and you know, the opportunity started to get um, real. more real. Yeah. Um, 
the team just you know kind of clicked. I remember probably 18 months before we interviewed, I had a great leadership. I, you know, my leadership team was phenomenal. Um, they were doing a great job, and what I saw. I went and I visited other operators had, that had gone through the process and, and just kind of, you know, consulted with them, had them, you know, asked for some coaching, um, had my leadership team meet their leadership team, you know, and, and just kind of compare what are we doing, what are they doing. They're doing it, right? So right. let's look at somebody that's doing this really well and see, you know, where are our gaps and what do we need to do to improve that's and smart. I remember walking away from one visit and and thinking that my leadership team was more individualized. And they weren't. I had gone into this one store and just kind of saw how they were so um, connected and they had this chemistry. And, and so, and what was, you know, and I struggled with how do I bring that up? How do I, right. how do I say that? And then it was funny because on the ride home, because we traveled to go visit this location, went on the ride home, they all started talking about it. They saw it. Right? So we all saw the same thing, and they started talking about um, what does that look like? How do they create that type of relation, you know, that type of bond? Um, And really started doing, realizing, like, hey, we're doing life together. We're, you know. Right. um, And so when we actually went through the process, it was really neat to see how they just kind of could jump in and help each other out. And if, if, on, in a question, or they all understood each other's roles. They understood each other's expectations. They held each other accountable, um, and so they, you know, it just kind of all went together. And, and and well, the result was we ended up getting the second location. So it's fantastic. Um, and it's been over for how long now? Four, almost four months. Almost four months. Almost four months. It's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. So, when you think about your journey from when you first began your career with Chick-fil-A in Corpus Christi, all the way through now, when you think about leadership, you've done such a great job of creating a culture of leadership in your restaurant. I've known you for a long time, 11 years, which is crazy. But when you think about leadership, if you could just share one thing that you've seen that's been truth in terms of leadership for your team, for the people that you've developed. If you could just share one tip that would be helpful for someone, like, I want to build a leadership team, I want to create leaders, what's one thing that you could share that would help them? I want to create a leadership team that that helps me create a culture that is so great that they would want their own children to come work for at Chick-fil-A. because if because if there's trust and there's learning and growing and, and we can learn these skills right I see it as a home yeah right and in your home you know um, you're you're creating a culture of hospitality but even within your own family right like helping each other out yep. and stuff and so if if I can duplicate that with my team, that they want to create the same things, um, then I feel like that's going to be that's a great success um, to have them 
want their children to their work. You know, you're not gonna, you're not going to tell your children to go work for a place that you had a bad, right? That you had a bad experience. No. Or, um, no. You know, you want, and so, um, so that's something that 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 I would that I hope that we can accomplish in, as part of our leaders. You know, I think the thing that people talk about when they talk about Chick-fil-A the most is the quality of the people, right? So I think that when you read, and there's been so much written about Chick-fil-A over the last three or four years, there was just an article in Business Insider over the weekend talking about Chick-fil-A is taking over the world. And, uh, you know, what Chick-fil-A's been able to do with a smaller number of units when you compare it to some of the bigger chains like a McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's, smaller unit count, only six days a week, which is a whole nother story, and what they've been able to create in terms of a culture. So I think by by doing what you're describing, by creating that culture where it does feel like family and people feel connected and they're engaged in the mission. I think that's what helps create the experience that people have when they go to Chick-fil-A. I mean, three of my kids have worked for you, right? So, 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 I mean, I totally get it, and I think you're right. I think that that is such a great thing to do, because when you think about, because that's completely different, you know, that's not what a lot of people say, right? They're, you know, they don't think about it in terms of, is this a place that, you know, one of my children would want to work, you know, or that I would want them to work there. So I think that's really super powerful. And I think when we pick, when I when I pick lead, you know, when we're selecting leaders to lead in our organization, right? Um, you know, first it started with we try to hire leaders, right? Like we're looking for that, you know, that person that has that servant heart that wants to serve. Um, it and so when they become when they step up into that leadership role, right? They already have those talents That's right. and those strengths. Now it's just helping them understand tell me why I would want my son to work for you tell me why you know and and them understanding that right um, and then I hope that exampling how I spend my time with my leaders and you know um, and that caring aspect of it that they're gonna they're gonna turn around and do the same thing for the team I love that you brought up when you hire someone you're trying to think about them could this be a future leader for us? Because I don't think that's intuitive in the restaurant industry. I think it happens in small pockets. I think in um, just a small number of organizations. So can you talk more about that? Like, and was that an evolution for you, or is that has that just always been kind of ingrained in the Chick Fil A culture that you've always been looking for future leaders? How did that happen for you? I think for me at the mall, it was very difficult because we were very seasonal. And so that selection process was just that much harder. Um, Right. And so I went through the process where it's like, are you thinking you just need a person to take this position, right? Like to to be in this specific, to be a cashier, to be. um, And and through failure, I learned that, you know, we spend more time trying to change habits or trying to change behaviors. Right. When you can, if we can start from the very beginning yep. and set that up in the hiring process, hundred percent. And so, um, so it started probably with failure of me not understanding that aspect, right? 
um, and very quickly seeing like we're spending more time correcting behavior when if we could just select um, team members that this is something that's in their DNA also, right? And so, um, so yeah, it, it started early on um, and it started through a failure of, of realizing you know what are we? What's going? You know wh- where's the process breaking down? Yep. And and it, and the re- the answer was from the beginning, right? Let's start from the beginning. And so now it's um, it's funny when I interview somebody at the end of the interview because you know people come in and they say you know I like Chick Fil A, I like it goes on Sundays. These are all reasons why they applied for Chick Fil A, right? Everybody always looks happy, right? Like right. And so they're. And so, you know, part of my process is telling them, let me tell you what happens behind scenes, yeah. right? And yeah. that, you know, we are a restaurant, right? right. And we serve, you know, I, I try to do interviews right smack in the middle of lunch. Yeah, it's a great thing So they thing can to see, right. you know, this is what it looks like. And for them to see other people doing that, you know, I tell them about all the not so great jobs that could yep. that they may have to yep. to do right which we're a restaurant so we want our bathrooms clean you know we want our dining room clean there's people you know things get spilled on the floor and Absolutely. we have a place gate that needs to be cleaned and a lot of screaming children <laughs> uh, running around and so talk to them about that that process and then um and then I have a kitchen that, you know, I could have 34 people in the front counter serving and only a handful of nine or ten people in the kitchen. So that team's working three times harder right. than, you know, than everybody else. They're not only helping one guest, they're helping the guests at the counter, in the drive through yep. in mobile. Um, and so creating that, are you willing to serve them? Right? They can't step away. So can you, would you be willing, if you're going to the back, to grab a drink? Are you going to offer them a drink to, you know, or, or, or make sure, right. you know, we want to take care of that team because that's our foundation is our kitchen. Um, and so setting those expectations of what we expect, um, that when it does get busy and it's hectic and guess what, something just happened in the bathroom and I need you to go clean it, they're not surprised, they're not, right. they, they know that. But it's at the end of the, at the end of the application process, I give them the opportunity to take their application back. And, wow. And so, and I can tell you that, you know, of all the interviews I've done, there's probably only been about three that have said, yeah, I don't, you know, I didn't know it, it ha- I had to do all that stuff, right? Or, right. Um, and so, and it's great, right? Because it's like, I'd rather know now yep. that that's not something you're willing right. to do than surprise you later and say, you know, and, and, and you not be aware of it. And so those that do, you know, that... For the you know ninety right. nine percent of the people that have said you know I still want to work here right um, when the things happen they do it with a smile they knew they knew that those things were going to happen and I think that's so important and and I think sometimes we fail when we don't set those expectations and let them know exactly you know what's going to be expected of them and then in return I, I share with them that they will never be yelled at. Right, we're gonna we'll learn from our mistakes, and yep. we will make mistakes. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're gonna try to create the best environment that we can for them, and we're gonna teach them skills that they can take to any job that they ever want to do. Yeah, um, no doubt about it. And so, I think that 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 helps with you know just in that the beginning process. Yeah, that's really good. 
I love the idea that you give someone an opportunity to take their application back. I've never heard that before, so I love that. It's really powerful. And even though it was only three or four or a handful of people that have ever done that, you saved yourself so much time on the other side. And you saved so much time for them and heartache, right, by giving them the opportunity to opt out. I think it's super brilliant to do them, to do interviews when it's busy. Let them see the action. Take them in the back of the house. I used to do that all the time in Chipotle. I wanted them to see everything. It was a scratch kitchen, so I wanted them to see us, you know, chopping produce, you know, chopping cilantro, you know, making guacamole. And you can tell very quickly whether people are excited about that or they're terrified of it, yes. you know. So I think that's really good. So everything we talked to you up to this point leads to my next question that I want to ask you. And you know, we started the podcast by saying that my goal, what I want to do through this podcast is to elevate leaders who have created culture. But everything you've talked about up to this point, Priscilla, has led to this point of why culture is important. So from your perspective, and I know that you focus a lot on culture inside of your restaurants, but why is culture important in this industry? Not only Chick-fil-A, but just why is it important in the restaurant industry? Why is creating a strong culture so important? Um, I, you know, restaurant is, you know, when you when you define the word is like a place of restoration, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so creating that culture, um, and for Chick Fil A, you know, having that those values of honor, dignity, and respect, we're gonna we're gonna honor, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna treat everybody with honor, dignity, and respect. Right. Our guests, our team members, our vendors. Right. Um, and create, I think creating that culture um, is part of the biggest success, right, of, of when people come in. No doubt. That they're, that, you know, that place of restoration, right, of just kind of being restored and having a good meal or, you know, having, taking a break. Um, and so for our guests, I think that that culture is seen through our team members, right? If they're enjoying what they're doing. Um, Truly Kathleen once said, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life, right? Um, so how do we create that, right? Um, and, how, and, and we have the we have the ability to impact so many people. And so... When you think about all the lives that come into those doors, you know, from team members to guests, to create that culture of of just creating a great place where people can come right. and just, in, you know, enjoy enjoy eating, enjoy right. spending time with friends, um, come to work. Yeah, um, it's busy, right? The right. restaurant the restaurant um, industry is it's busy. Um, and so how do we create a little bit of calmness and all that chaos sometimes? Right, right. Um, I think comes from culture and just creating that type of, you know, we're doing life with our team members, yep. right? They, a lot, some of them spend more time at work than they do at home, right? right? Um, and so how do we create a culture that, that they enjoy coming, right? And if you enjoy coming, then on top of that, hey, you're going to get paid for it too. Exactly. That's even... <laughs> Right. It's a bonus. Well, and I think circling back to what we said earlier, I mean, I think that when people come into a Chick-fil-A, what they experience is that culture. Right. From the employees. Right. Because they are so happy to be there. Because they love it. 
right? And, and, and you know, they love what they're doing. And I think there's this culture of servant leadership, you know, that happens inside of a Chick-fil-A that is just so different, right? I mean, I love it when Yoli makes my Diet Dr. Pepper and I haven't even ordered it yet, right? <laughs> there have been times I've gotten two of those because she's done that. But, but I think that those things, like, they do really reflect the culture of the organization and, and of the culture that is intentionally created. Because I love talking about culture and you know, I love talking to leaders about culture because, because everyone has a culture in their organization. It may not be the culture they want, but they've got one. So the question is, are your core values, are they being um, presented and lived out through your culture? So I think, I think what you said is exactly right. I think that that culture piece that flows throughout the entire organization, through all those relationships, whether it be employees or vendors or, or, or you know, even the guests, right? So I think that that's, that's I think super as important. leaders, too, like to listen to what our team members are seeing and feeling. And I think um, embedding yourself sometimes in the organization itself, you know, a lot of times leaders are working on the business and right. saying, how can we improve this or how can we... But sometimes it's important... Sometimes it's important to just um, take the time to get in there. You know, I was sharing with you a couple of days ago, I embedded myself and I'm making drinks in the drive-thru, right? Right. And it it gives you that perceptive of what what are they doing? Absolutely. And how can I change that? And I think in the food industry, when you you do that, uh, the team members, they see, right? And they they understand... um, and, and we go through spouts where the culture, you know, like, it doesn't seem that way. It doesn't seem like it's a good environment mm-hmm. right now. And, and and what can we do better? How can we, you know, fix this? There's a lot of stressors and challenges, you know, when right. you have growth. You've got more new team members that maybe yep. don't have speed, that don't have um, the experience to keep up. And so there's this frustration that that's created, right? How do you continuously... Right. Um, balance that out right and I think it comes back to communication right sharing with your team what's happening letting them know the changes that are going to occur and then trying to you know to show what kind of support you can give um, and then listen to them right Um, you know there's you know there's times in our kitchen which I tell you is our foundation right If, if you know, no matter what we're doing in the front of the house, right. if we can't get it right in the back of the house, you know, nothing that, else. None of, does that really matter at right. that point? Right. Um, and so um, there was when we hire new team members, we'll increase our productivity, we'll decrease our productivity rate for a small time to in, to prepare for that that learning phase, right, right, right. To, to try to lessen right. the the stress of, uh, of the team member, right, and so I think creating cult, that type of culture of caring yeah. um, for Chick-fil-A has been, in power, it's been powerful. Well, and I think you've answered my next question because it was going to be, how have you, how have you taken this idea of culture and what you've created, and how have you connected that to your vision? for your organization and I think you just gave us some great examples of of what you've done sometimes you have to slow it down for just a second you know to make sure you get it right to make sure again part of creating that culture is making sure that the employees have that experience of understanding what it's like to be in that kind of volume or in that 
role, whatever role they might be in. So I think that that's, that's a really good example of how you've been able to connect culture to your overall vision. It's really good. So when you think about your journey as a leader, Priscilla, what piece of advice would you give your 25-year-old self now looking back with all of your perspective there's a lot of things where I where I go back and think shame on me <laughs> <laughs> right I've never thought about right. that right yes um, definitely um, go I would tell my 25 year old self to read and embrace mm. um, I wasn't a reader back then um, um, so Reading would be one of the things I would say. Um, I think continuously looking at the glass half full. Yeah. Um, find the positive of, of you can find a positive in any situation, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, and so I think those would probably be the the two things that I would remind myself. I love it. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole idea of being a lifelong learner, which is a gift we all have. I think that we all go through those kind of peaks and valleys in our life where maybe we don't embrace it as much as we do at other times. I think that especially in the age we live in now and the age your kids are and the age my kids are, right? And we see how that learning's happening all the time. I think it's a, that's, a great, that's a great reminder. All right, so now we're going to do the fast five. I, okay. I love these questions. So uh, and because you're in the restaurant business, it should be super easy for you. And it doesn't have to be Chick-fil-A. All right. What is your favorite order at your hometown restaurant? Like your go-to, like what's your go-to order? My go-to order is Whataburger. Nice. <laughs> and what is the order at Whataburger? What do you get? I get a number one toasted buns with uh, a Diet Coke. You order that a lot, don't yeah. you? That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. That's so good. That's so good. Um, so, and we've talked a little bit about this already, but what do you know now? that you wish you would have known when you first started? What do I know now? You know, there was, when I first started, I was in our in our Chick-fil-A model, right? We talk about serve and yep. every letter has a meaning to it. Right. And so the R in serve is for results and relationships. Mm. And in the very beginning, when I was first, when I first became an operator, I kept saying result, relationships and results, because I felt that really put relationships first, right, and the results will occur, right, right, right. Um, and so I remember going to a couple, you know, probably ten years after I became an operator, went on a mission trip with the Chick Fil A's Windshape. Um, Life Shape um, organization, right? And uh, was actually teaching the surf model to their business um, entrepreneurs, and and I remember an operator that had been an operator for thirty plus years said, "You keep saying the arm wrong," and I said, "I know, but I think that its relationship should come before results." And he sat me down and he shared with me a story with Truett, right? And uh, he was hired personally by Truett. Um, and so it's really interesting to hear. And he says, if we don't create the results and if we're not good stewards, then we can't impact these relationships. Mm -hmm. And wow. so 
I think early on, had I, you know, had a different perspective, how many more people could I have impacted? So they definitely changed my perspective, right? They definitely go hand in hand. The end mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. is the big part of it. Right. Um, but that was definitely a, a learning for me and an aha that, yeah. you know, it took me a, a little while to get. Both that, were great, but it is powerful. true, right? Powerful. If, if I'm not being a good steward um, of what's been entrusted to me, then you know, am I am I not giving others an opportunity to impact or be able to impact more in our community? Like, there's just so much that goes with that. So that's really um, good. And then I think the other part is the and the word and. Right. You know, a lot of times we'll say or. Right. Um, right, and so realizing the end part of of, yeah. of any of anything in right. the business, right? Right, uh, yeah. It doesn't have to be either or. Yeah. It can be both end. Yeah. yeah, I love it. That's great. So we talked a little bit earlier in the conversation about failure, and you know you shared a little bit. But when you think back over your career, when you think about failure, because it's not something we all like to talk about, but we've all failed at something. So what have you failed at that has actually helped you become a better leader? as a result of you failing? I don't, I wouldn't say that, I, I, this one's a little bit personal. I think for me, being a businesswoman um, and, and holding different hats, um, being a mother, a wife, and a business owner, I really struggled with which one goes first, right? Right. Um, and I think there was a time where I felt like I was failing as a mother, like I wasn't present. I wasn't the traditional, I'm going to stay at home or I'm going to, you know, right. my, you know, my husband stepped in a lot and, and was more of that caregiver. And there was probably a year that I'm like, I don't remember that and I don't remember that. And it, it made me feel like, you know, I failed in that aspect. Um, but it's but that part has helped me be a better leader in that what I was doing was trying to grow our business for our family also. Right. Um, and because of what I've done, I shared with you earlier that one of the biggest things is time, is I, I now have that time. Um, and so there was, there was that small in the beginning. Right. Um, where, uh, you know, Joseph was three years old and, and I don't remember three years old. Right. Um, and so for a long time, I kind of beat myself up about that and, and kept thinking, like, I needed to create balance. I needed to create balance, and which is funny because you can't create it. And I don't... <laughs> no. And so I've grown to know that um, there are certain things in life that... Um, One's going to oversee the other at certain times, but as long as you have a perspective of all the things that are important to you. Right. Um, and so I kind of have my eight. Um, and I think about, um, I, I, um, through coaching and stuff I've done, who are going to be the eight people that are going to be around my bed, you know, yep. when, I, when, I, when I'm born into heaven again. Right. Um, is and so how am I spending that time with them and, and 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 those things and those relationships that I'm creating for that and so I have I didn't fail as a mother my kids are thriving they're great um, but there was that time where I felt that and what I learned from that is that there does need to be balance but it doesn't mean it needs to be equal balance right does that make sense no it makes total sense 
I mean, I, I just smile when I think about it because this whole thing that happened in the 2000s about work-life balance, it's, it's such a myth. It's not real because there are seasons. There are seasons, I agree. And it's about a rhythm. It's not about a balance. And so I completely agree with you. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. So what are you curious about? You're a longtime operator for Chick-fil-A. You've seen everything, right? You've seen uh, the evolution of technology. You know, you've seen new double drive-throughs. You've seen iPads in drive-throughs. You know, when you think about this business, or you know, really anything, what are you curious about right now? What's next? Mm. Is it, you know the 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 growth of where where we are has changed so quickly. Um, even in the last 10 years, um, like you said, how our drive-throughs grow, how now there's, you know, the whole mobile app and, right. um, you know, delivery yeah. concepts, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, third-party delivery. Um, and just, just keeping, um, keeping my hand on it, but not trying to overdo it, yeah. right? Like, still stay with, you know, what's our foundation, you know, staying good at what we do, um, and grow, growing with it, but growing with care and confidence is true. It has always has said, right? Grow, um, climb yep. with care and confidence. Yep. Um, is that that's what we're gonna do, right? There's so much growth, and it's happening so fast, and there's so you know, it's right. Um, and it's kind of just the way everything is right now, right? People want things fast. You know, I remember when you'd send a letter, you'd send it in the mail, That's and right. you'd have to wait like That's right. three or four days before you'd get a response. And now you just send an email and somebody's responding. I feel like I barely put send on a text and, and someone's already responding. Yes. I'm like, how fast could they read that, I know. right? I know, right. <laughs> um, so that's still kind of, you know, it's just, but that's, that's where we're at now, right? Like that's the that's the society now, and yeah. that's you know, and so moving with that, um, and and just making sure that we're still being careful, and, yeah, you know, climbing with care and confidence on that, on that aspect. Absolutely. When you think about restaurant leadership, and you've developed a lot of leaders, and you've seen a lot of leaders come through your organization. But when you look at the industry as a whole, what is something that's not taught as much as it should be around restaurant leadership? What is not taught? I think just, um, I think as more people are going out to eat and restaurants are just seems to be like those sales just seem to be continually increasing yeah you know the busyness of just people's lives you know and and how they're they're live you know they're 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 spending a lot of time in their car they're you know they're going through drive-thrus they're eating quickly um and that demand of that hurriness i think something that that needs to be top front for everybody is food safety Mm. I think just making sure that Absolutely. that we're watching that, we're being careful with that, that we're, you know, not letting that busyness, right. you know, break down any kind of process or system that we have. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important in the restaurant business. So important. So important. This has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you making time uh, for me. And on a personal level, I want to thank you for being such a great example to my daughter. Works for you. Yes, right she's now. doing a great job. Uh, she's an hourly 
supervisor. I'm not sure exactly what the real title is, but uh, she loves it, and you've been such a great example. And I think that, especially in this age of, you know, you mentioned some of your uh, challenges earlier and how you were trying to balance being a wife and a mother and a business owner, but you've done a great job, and I think you've set a great example for, for, for all of us on really how to do that well. Well, so. thank you. Thank you for asking me to share and so. Yeah, no, I think it's super powerful. So if someone would want to reach out to you, if someone would want to connect with you, which I highly anticipate they will, um, what's the easiest way for them to contact you? It's probably going to be through email. Okay. Um, and so they can contact me at the, at the store. Okay, perfect. Um, at Cedar Park. Um, Chick-fil-A. At Chick-fil-A.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again very much, Priscilla. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cutting Onions Podcast with Priscilla Mendoza. I would also like to take a moment to mention that my ebook, Cutting Onions, came out on Tuesday, December 3rd. This is available on Amazon Kindle, on Nook, and wherever you get your ebooks. I'd be honored if you'd pick up a copy or share a copy with someone who you think it could help on their leadership journey. As a reminder, the hard copy book comes out on March 10th. 2020. I'd also love it if you would give us a review and a rating wherever you consume your podcast content. It helps us so much. Thank you so much for your ongoing support and your continued listenership of this podcast. We'll see you next week. The music in this podcast, Walking Strong, was created and composed by Chris Zimmer.